0: Welcome to Access Utah, I'm Tom Williams. Um, My guest for the hour today is best-selling science writer Mary Roach, author previously of Gulp and Stiff and Packing for Mars. Her latest book is called Grunt. Subtitle is The Curious Science of Humans at War. Grunt tackles the science behind some of a soldier's most challenging adversaries, panic, exhaustion, heat, flies, noise, and introduces us to the scientists who seek to conquer them. And in this book, Mary Roach answers some questions or questions not found in any other book on the military. Why is DARPA interested in ducks? How is a wedding gown like a bomb suit? Why are shrimp more dangerous to sailors than sharks? She also discovers that diarrhea can be a threat to national security. And talks talked to fashion designers at the U.S. Army to explain why a zipper is a problem for a sniper. Interesting book. Mary Roach joins us for the hour. Thanks.
1: Oh, hey! Thanks for having
0: me. <laughs> Thanks for being on uh, with <laughs> us. Uh, I want to start with, and I think uh, we had you on for Gulp—a very interesting discussion. Um, I think I probably talked to you about this then, but I'd, uh, I'll spend a while. Um, in your bio, uh, one of your first jobs—in one of your jobs, I should say—I guess maybe early on when you got to San Francisco from the from the East Coast—was a PR job, half time at the San Francisco Zoo, where you say. On the days you weren't talk, taking calls about elephant wart removal surgery or denying rumors that the cheetahs have been sucked dry by fleas, you were writing freelance articles. That must have been a fascinating job.
1: It was a very fun job, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, the writing part of it I enjoyed very much. The, the publicity and public relations I wasn't quite cut out for that. I'm uh, The cheetah uh, example that you mentioned there, I recall when the reporter called saying he'd heard this rumor i i was fascinated i'm instead of denying it i said well wait a minute how many fleas how much blood per flea how much blood is in a cheetah is it actually possible to suck the cheetah dry i mean it was you know that was not what my boss wanted me (laughs) to be doing so um perhaps not the right Mm-hmm. Field for me.
0: Mm-hmm. It sounds like, though, a sort of an analytical, uh, you know, frame of mind. What what got you into writing about science?
1: Well, I wrote for this magazine called Hippocrates, which doesn't exist anymore. Um, it was founded by the folks who did Science '86, and unfortunately I had to change the title every, as the years went by. But uh, it, it was a wonderful magazine. It was um, medicine, health, uh, but with a was sort of a narrative eye and. A, a real um, strong journalistic underpinnings, and just a just a, a great magazine to write for. So, I uh, for, spent many years writing for them, and while doing that job, uh, an editor from Discover magazine saw some of my work there, and contacted me about writing for them. So, just fell into science. I don't have a science background. It was just uh, kind of what what happened, you know mm. that. That is, uh, as my life unfolded, I fell into science writing. So that's kind of how it happened.
0: You pick fascinating topics. This one is, uh, you know, something I think a lot of us wouldn't think about. When we t- when we think about uh, military, we think about strategy and tactics. And you're talking about all of the science that uh, is designed to keep uh, soldiers alive. Um, first of all, before we jump into that, um, this line of work involves you in talking to scientists, you know, day in and day out. Um it could tend to be, I guess, jargonese. It could tend to be a different world. Uh, how do you navigate that?
1: Yeah, it it is very much a different world, which is is what appeals to me. Uh, it, it's it's always new and surprising, but yeah, I, it is. Um, it, it makes my job more difficult. The fact that sometimes I sit down with someone and uh, haven't a clue what they're talking about, and so part of my job skill set is to kind of gently. Um, Sort of push this person toward a more conversational tone, and, and and I've I've got no shame about just saying, look, I don't. I'm just, I'm really sorry. I don't, I don't have a science in background, a science background, and I, uh, I, I really don't quite understand some of these basics. So we can can we just go back to the beginning a little bit here? And I tend to use my sources as unpaid tutors, and they're incredibly generous with their time, and and they're very patient. Hmm. Uh, scientists are, are are great they're they're um you know i i it's i i'm there for a couple of days and so they're <laughs> they're kind of stuck with me and they're i i get quite an education and it's very generous of them to to take the time to get me up to speed and um so but it it's um it is still challenging and I, and i certainly limit myself uh, in terms of what science i cover there's there's plenty of areas of science that mm-hmm. without a background i would just feel out of my element and um not confident that i could get the material right so so it does it does restrict what sorts of things i do write about
0: when do you know you've got an idea that you you think this this is going to be a go you've had some fascinating when gulp you know the 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 alimentary canal from the mouth to the you know other end um uh, packing from mars uh, stiff you know, bonk science of sex um where where do these come from when it, for example with the grunt when do, where, where did that come from
1: Well, they're they're typically, you know, I pick a a topic that's quite broad, so there's lots of room to kind of cherry-pick what I think will be most interesting for people and what will enable me to travel somewhere that might be fascinating for the reader and and for myself. So uh, it's largely intuitive. Uh, I just, uh, I I can tell when I'm in it and when, when I can tell when something doesn't quite fit. Sometimes people suggest, oh, you should write about sleep and sleep is a really fascinating topic and i could see why they would suggest that for me but <clears throat> when i think about all the chapters of the book and where would i go and what would i see and what would i describe for people i'm seeing over and over a lab with a bed and a person sleeping <laughs> and then perhaps talking about some dreams and you know i'd think about how how bored my husband is when i describe my dream in the morning <laughs> and it just i didn't feel that it had quite the variety of Settings that I, I like to have, but so it's so it's a combination of just intuitively knowing this is this is Mary Roachable, and also w- what's the variety of of, of scenes and, and settings that I could pull from it. Um, grunt was something that came to me when I was reporting a story in India about the world's hottest chili pepper, the boot Jolokia. I'm probably mispronouncing it, uh, and uh, there was a chili pepper eating contest that's quite brutal, and I was covering that. Uh, and somebody told me while I was there that the Indian Defense Ministry had made a non-lethal weapon—an exploding chili pepper powder bomb. So I went to report on that project over at the—it uh, was a lab in the neighboring state—and I, um, that was just a, a, a day where I'd stepped into this world that I didn't know existed. Here's a lab where they're making exploding chili pepper bombs, and they were someone else there <clears throat> was working on a leech repellent, which I found fascinating. They were uh, taking samples down to the river and rolling up their trousers and seeing what worked. And that was this moment where I realized military science is another world that I've never spent any time in. It's not just bullets and bombs and killing. Uh, it, it, it's a lot of other – it's very esoteric, and there's because militaries tend to have a big budget, there are a lot of interesting labs and places to go and all of the requisite kind of interesting scenery for that I like to have for my book. So that was really the moment where I thought, hmm, you know, military science, that could be good. <laughs> so that's uh, that's how it got rolling.
0: Well, let's jump in. It is a fascinating world, and I think a lot of people not not familiar with it. That's a, you know, another advantage. Um, so you, you open the book. Let's start there with the chicken gun. This is, you know, <laughs> you utter that phrase, and then you say, wait, what?
1: I know the chicken gun. It's pretty much what it sounds like. This is a heavy artillery piece that fires supermarket thawed out supermarket chickens, and it's used to test. It's uh, it's a bird strike. Uh, it's part of the the problem of bird strike. It's used to test pieces of jets to make sure they would withstand collision with, say, uh, a Canada goose or a mallard duck, uh, because those uh, collisions are very costly for the military, well and civilian aircraft Uh, and and occasionally the planes go down so so the chicken gun is uh it fires these chickens at say the you know the canopy of a jet to make sure that it isn't going to shatter or break or uh it bring down the plane basically so that's what the chicken gun is i wrote i wrote about it partly just because i love just to say chicken gun just that just i just had to I had to put the chicken gun in the book. There really, it didn't quite fit because it's not really uh, something that's directly kind of keeping soldiers alive or helping them helping them get through the grueling reality of their day. But it was a way for me to say, "This is the only. This is the last you're going to hear about guns. This is not a book about um, about guns if that's what you're looking for." Um, Put this book down and buy a different one. So it was mm-hmm. just—it was kind of a, an introduction to the book.
0: Yeah, uh, and I—I uh, I, I thought, what must it be like to be the guy that fires the chicken gun? But that after a while, that might get boring. Uh, I,
1: the... <laughs> you can't believe the number there are papers out there calculating the average body density of the, of different species of bird. And there's mm. there's there are uh, there's a whole project where they were looking into developing an artificial simulated Generic bird for bird strike. A lot of debate back and forth on what's the best way, the best material to standardize and use for to to test these jet canopy pieces. So it was a um, yeah, an interesting side trip into a, a little-known world.
0: Mm. Uh, I'm sure you know military thinks about this, pilots, airlines, I'm, I'm sure think about this. Uh, the layperson doesn't, but it's bird strike can be a very serious problem. You, you write that uh, a small, compact bird like a starling can pierce a windscreen like a bullet.
1: Yes, and there's a name for that. It's called the feathered bullet phenomenon. And, uh, th- and that of course that that's uh, through a wrench into the proceedings because uh, for the most part you want to be using something large that would be kind of a worst case scenario that's and hence the the chickens but then there's these there is the the, the, the feathered bullet phenomenon and there uh, I don't know that there's a separate uh, test for that but that can happen where that it's small enough to just pierce the 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 um, the canopy the the windshield, if you will, and uh, and hit the pilot. I, d- I think it's quite rare, but anyway, there you go.
0: You were talking to one scientist uh, by the name of Kelly, um, and you talk about unorthodox thinking—you know, scientists thinking outside the box—and uh, then you got a budget, yep. right? That must be, uh, you know, in part fun for these scientists. And then down the footnotes, uh, one of his—you say—one of his furthest forays outside the box came when he came up with an idea for a strong aphrodisiac
1: yes this was a this was a, uh he was at a brainstorming session um he's a, he was with uh, he was at, at wright air force base wright patterson and and he loved he was known as somebody who is very creative and loves to brainstorm they invited him to a meeting to develop new forms of non lethal weapon weaponry and uh Malcolm Kelly was his name and he one of the things he came up with I mean they they were it was, it was, it, was a, it was a very wide-ranging conversation they must have had because they were talking about bees and could you could you you know attract bees to the enemy to harass them and get them away and I mean it's that kind of thing and one of them was a, a um it was a potion that would it was like a, a love potion and the, and it got into the press and it was um, kind of referred to as the gay bomb, and that it would, uh, it, which wasn't his intent. That, that it would. I thought what he meant was that it would make make the soldiers feel love for all mankind and say, why, and put down their weapons and walk away. Which is, I asked him, is that what you have in mind? And he said, No, no, no. I, that's not what I had in mind. What I had in mind is that all of a sudden uh, the soldier would be worried that. The enemy, or that the people were going to be coming on to him, and that would freak him out. Sort of a weaponized homophobia was a little bit closer to to what it was. But it was again, it was just something he threw out in a meeting. It was written up, uh, and someone got, from the media got hold of it, and it became you know the the gay bomb, and that um, dogged him for some time. Although he, uh, he his name was redacted from it, it was uh, uh, I tracked him down uh, through some. Other people who'd been on that uh, the brainstorming committee, and uh, anyway, but he, he had lots of far more interesting hmm. things to talk about that related to bird strike. His main area of expertise was bird strike.
0: Yeah, I guess that's the downside of you know brainstorming getting getting out because brainstorming is just you're supposed to do flights of fancy and then try to, to try to sift through it and find something useful. Um so but the uh, that brings me to a point you know there there's there's some really out there stories some some funny stuff here but the the central thing here is is scientists are trying to keep soldiers alive that's essentially what they're trying to do right
1: Yeah that's right that's right whether it's it's putting them back together again after something happens in battle or uh keeping them alive be, by preventing them from dying of heat stroke or simply uh, helping them get a better night's sleep or not get bit up by bugs or not get sunburned. I mean, it, it, you know just a wide range of, of different things. I mean, soldiers are kind of the original, they're like extreme backpackers, they're kind of the original campers, and a lot of the gear that we have came out of a need for keeping people comfortable and, and labeling them to get a good night's sleep out in the wilderness and sometimes in fairly extreme conditions of cold or heat. So uh you know you do you see a lot of a uh, a lot of work in the area of I mean especially going back to previous wars you see a lot of work in the area of like um like permethrin is an example that that bug repellent that's um built into a fabric or tents that resist mildew or you know a pair of boots that actually keeps your feet warm and dry that kind of thing because that's, um, you know, that's important to morale. And, and also, I mean, it, you know, in the extreme cases, it's important to keeping someone alive, but it's also uh, just keeping, you know, make, making that life a little more bearable.
0: Uh, I want to talk to you about, um, you mentioned that in the book, uh, soldiers can carry packs at 95 pounds, which is just amazing to me. I I recently was preparing for a backpacking trip and my pack was maybe approaching 40 pounds which i found extremely uh, heavy yeah there's a there's a picture i was the photo on the in the on the cover of the book a soldier in full gear with a backpack taller than he is is, is that? Well,
1: yeah, that's been that's been that's been doctored, that's been okay, photoshopped. okay.
0: I, I'm relieved. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's, uh, I was thinking, that's well, army, army, they can they can do almost anything, right? Yeah. Okay, that's been that's been <laughs> photoshopped. All right, that that's yeah, that's a relief. Yeah, it's about
1: three times as high yeah. as uh, as what it as what it would normally be. But even then, if you if you if you if you bring it down to the actual size, it's still an unbelievable load. I I, I backpack too, and I rarely take over thirty pounds. I, I don't. I take what twenty. It, it's pathetic what I take compared to what these folks carry. Plus, they're wearing. you know, Part of that weight is just the is the um, body armor, the personal protection that they've got, the vest that they're wearing, and and that adds to it. And then you, when you take into account the fact that it's maybe ninety or a hundred degrees where they are, and they may be running across a you know running across a courtyard or something with with a heavy load. It's it's pretty extraordinary. I mean, they're not typically going on long foot marches as they were, you know, in in conflicts dating back, you know, the Civil War and such. They're they're mostly in vehicles when they're going long distances. Thankfully, so uh, it's not it's not as extreme as it might be, but it's still a, a tremendous amount of weight and and um, very easy to overheat and heat stroke, heat injury. Is quite significant, and and that's something that the the military has been looking into. Um, Are there ways to identify people who are more susceptible to really falling apart when it gets hot, getting sick, and and even dying? And that's because there's a tremendous amount of individual difference uh, in in who can take the heat and who can't, and who's going to get into trouble and possibly. die so that's uh, that's something they're working on it uses the uniformed services um, medical school out east and that was uh, they have a thing called a cook box they you know just colloquially call it that where they do this testing and it's a uh, it's a chamber about the size of a small bedroom with a couple of treadmills and you can turn the heat up and adjust the humidity and basically create a miserable day and i, I went in with just 30 pounds in my backpack uh, uh, there were a couple of Army rangers who were being tested, and I just was in there to talk to them and to just experience it and and I had a really um, a, a relatively small load and I lasted about seven minutes hmm. in there uh, and and had to stop
0: uh, seven minutes yeah which which get, probably the average person would to be you know pretty average uh so what is it is it uh, what is it just extreme fitness? You're, you know, carrying around all this, all this, 95 pounds, and you're, and you're hot, and or really cold, or whatever it is.
1: Uh, well, fi- yeah, fitness, fitness is is one factor that 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 helps a lot, yes, and and also, um, it's, uh, I didn't realize this, but y- your body adjusts over the course of a few days in a hot climate, uh, which is uh, they, the soldiers used to spend a few days in Kuwait City before going onward, and they they would part of that was just to adjust to the heat your body gets uh, you sweat more quickly and more profusely and and i would have thought you know if you begin to sweat instantly and you're just drenched in sweat i would have thought that marked you as somebody who doesn't do well in the heat but in fact because sweating is your body's way of cooling you off it just means you've become you're becoming more efficient at cooling yourself in the heat so people who sweat uh, early and profusely are are do quite well and uh, anybody who has difficulties, there are some people who can't sweat. And uh, those folks are in a world of danger when they go into an environment like, you know, a very hot and or humid environment. So uh, you, you, you definitely would want, not want to send a soldier like that.
0: Hmm. Let's take a break. When we come back more with uh, writer Mary Roach, her latest book is fascinating. It's called Grunt, The Curious Science of Humans at War. will tackle some of these uh, interesting questions. Why is diarrhea a uh, national security risk? Uh, Why uh, is a zipper a problem for a sniper? How is a wedding gown like a bomb suit? Uh, Much more following this break.